On that note, I want to welcome everybody to the world. According to that man, Benjamin Jeremy Stein, sorry for the late start. And somebody did compliment your shirt, Mandy, so they love your shirt. And uh, mm-hmm. welcome to the world, according to Ben Stein. Sorry what, is that? what is that shirt? What, what does that say? USA. I'm getting oh, in the good. 4th of July spirit. Yep. Very good. Very, very yeah. good. Uh, can I tell you a story about the 4th of July in Mississippi? Yes. Please. My my wifey, the world's finest human being, is her family is originally from Greenville, Mississippi, in the Delta, and uh, but then they moved to Arkansas. And on the Fourth of July, when my grandfather, my sorry, beg your pardon, my father in law was oh, a small child, ten or eleven or twelve years old, uh, he said to his father, whom we called Daddy Denman, Daddy, why can't we? Sur- set off fireworks and celebrate on the 4th of July like the other kids. And Daddy Denman said, why, Dale, that's the day that Vicksburg fell. It's true. I know it's It's, true. All of you that don't get that joke, I would suggest. It's not a joke. It's not a joke. It's not a joke at all. It started out by saying, can I tell you a joke? No, Um, I said, can I tell you a story? Oh, story, I'm sorry. I want to mm-hmm. welcome everybody to the world. According to Einstein, we are joined by, from Mississippi, from the Independent Women's Forum, future center of the great state of Mississippi, at Mandy Gunas Sacra. Hey, great, great to be with y'all. By, by the way, on Twitter, what's your handle? It's at Mississippi MG. Ah, okay. I figured you'd And in truth story. is Mandy Gunasakara. I was just curious. Uh, okay. And of course, the show, I want to welcome the Rumblers, Ranthers, and Truthers, everybody out there. Of course, the show would not be complete with multiple Emmy Award winners, speechwriter to two presidents, economist, novelist, player, icon, iconoclast. Most importantly, he's a father, he's a son, he's a husband, drug addict. <laughs> and uh, of course, he is the Dr. Benjamin Jeremy Stein. So, Ben, you said you wanted to talk about a topic. I want to talk talk about two topics. One is this incredibly great Supreme Court decision today, which backs off from one of the most highly racist decisions and trends in American life that has been going on for many decades. And they finally have said, look, Brown versus Board of Education, 1954, said we're not going to let race be a factor in determining where people go to school. And then little by little, the people in the uh, beautiful, beautiful people in the school districts went, uh, said, well, not only that, but we're going to start improving on, on that by letting black people into our prestige schools at a preferential rate. They do not have to have the same qualifications as white students. And especially this is very, very true of Asian students. Asian students we're going to treat like dirt. And, uh, and but we're going to put black people up at the top of the list. And that's just how it's going to be. And the Supreme Court had the incredible courage, intelligence, and tenacity and love of country by six to three to say, no, that's racism. And that is forbidden by the Constitution, uh, 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment, I think mostly the 14th. And uh, so that was an incredibly courageous decision, unbelievably courageous, incredibly courageous. 
one of the great steps forward in American life in my lifetime. And of course, you're too young to remember it. But it's an incredibly great step forward. And it is an incredibly great step forward for every American, white Americans, black Americans, yellow Americans, every American. We want people to be judged, as Martin Luther King Jr. said, on the content of their character, not on their skin color. And today's Supreme Court decision was a huge step in that direction. I don't think I, in my lifetime I have ever seen the Supreme Court make a more important decision than that. That's one. Two, in a bad, in a bad way, the Bolshevization of America continues at a breathtakingly horrible pace with the so-called war on drugs. What that really means is that people in pain, which tend to be old people like me, uh, are not going to be given the meds they need. And that's not because we are going to resell them. It's not because we're going to rob liquor stores to buy them. It's just out of pure idiocy and stupidity because, look, drugs are a huge part of medicine. I mean, dr whatever else they are, they're a huge part of medicine. And we tell doctors and, and drugstores, we're going to crack down on you and make your life hell if you try to help your patients not feel bad. That's Bolshevism. Well said. Now, so I, now I turn it over to you, my friends and colleagues in Los Angeles and in Mississippi. Well, that was very well said, and you sounded very much like your CBS passion, Sunday, impassion, impassion. Your, your CBS Sunday morning um, uh, days. That would have been the perfect piece. Would have been the perfect piece for them. But Mandy, to his point, let's get to the supreme thing first. You did raise that first. I, I, and and I know this is these are not easy discussions always to talk about, but they're honest discussions, and you only really get them on the world according to Ben Stein because he's one of the few people that has enough courage to speak about these things. But the affirmative action thing, obviously, Joe Biden hired on affirmative action. He said he was going to hire on affirmative action because incredible, incredible. He was going to have the first black woman or the black, he was going to hire, he was not the first, but he was going to have, well, she was the first, but have a black female be his Supreme Court nominee. Wait, 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 wait. I think that's not, I don't think she is the first. Black woman? Katanji? Uh, her name was Katanji. As vice president, as vice president, he said that he was going to have a black woman for vice president. And, and, uh, on, the court, and on the court. And, I, I and on the court, yeah. I, I don't recall that, Judy. If you could find that, I'd yeah. appreciate that. But uh, but if, you, uh, if you're right, it just doubles down on what I said. I mean, the idea that a person would be dominated for this kind of work and being a justice of the Supreme Court requires tremendous intellectual ability. There Andy, are go ahead while I look this up. There are some people, some black people have it. There's no doubt about that. And there's some black people who don't have it. And there's some white people who have it and some white people who don't have it. But to say you're going to put the crest, the color of the man's or woman's skin or non-linear uh, as the main criterion is stunningly racist. It is, it is right out right out of the 1933 racial laws of Hitler's Germany. Biden says he'll name a black woman a Supreme Court pick by the end of February. 
so there you are. Uh, President Biden praised retiring uh, Judge Stephen Breyer. Thursday said he plans to announce his nominee to Philip Breyer's position before the end of February. So Better be a black. No, no, this already happened. With oh, Katan. I see. No, the, 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 this had already <laughs> happened. And Mandy, to, mm-hmm. to Ben's point, and I don't know if you saw her statements that she said and then Clarence Thomas's rebuttal, but it's yeah. it's uh, um, it's 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 Brown accused the court, six conservative justices are pretending that the U.S. is a colorblind society and ignoring pervasive uh, pervasive racial inequalities that persist in the absence of former racial discrimination laws. She outlined the history of black suffering in America from slavery to sharecropping from Jim Crow to redlining. The race-based gaps that first developed centuries ago are echoes from the past and still exist today. She added to demand that colleges ignore race in today's admissions practice and thus regard the fact that racial disparities may have mattered for uh, some applicants find themselves today is not only affronted dignity of those students for whom race matters, it also condemns our society who never escaped the past and explains and how and why race matters to the very concept of who merits, quote unquote, admission. She argued, that ra- she argued that race blindness will delay the, the day that every American has an equal opportunity to thrive regardless of race. Well, that's obvious nonsense. I mean, anyone who has been in business or in law or in teaching or academic, in any kind of field whatsoever uh, knows that uh, there is no racism against blacks nowadays. That's all nonsense. Uh, I, I'm reminded of my... Uh, very, very funny friend. What's his name, Judah, who's a great pal of, of uh, Jimmy Kimmel, who's a super funny guy? Sal? What's his name? Sal? No, no, the, the guy. Oh, Adam Carolla. Adam Carolla. He made a movie about him being a prizefighter, and uh, he was confronted by some black prizefighter who, who was saying it was racist. It was way prizefighter was, was racist, and Adam Carolla said, yeah. Yeah, discrimination against black people in boxing. Yeah, that that's absolutely clear cut, or something like that. But what what an idiot this is, Mrs. Brown must be. I mean, we know at this point, anyone who's engaged in real life, instead of in the fantasy world of Bolshevik complaining, knows that there is preference for black people in America. It's not a preference against them; it's a preference for them. Fine. Fine, fine. But let's not lie about it. Let's not give us a little bunch of bullshit. And and the terrible things that were done to blacks in the past, they were incredibly terrible, unbelievably terrible. It's never even discussed how horrible slavery is. Was It was just incredible. It was as bad as Nazism or communism. It was just incredible. That's the past. That's the past. We're trying to get away from the past. And she's trying to pull us back into the past. Mandy, you've been awfully silent, and that's a great. Well, I'm very shy. I'm very, very, very I, Well, I had a lot to say, but I, I didn't want to interrupt. So, um, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah, I think that look, Justice Clarence Thomas and Katanji Brown Jackson are both clear indicators that Black Americans can achieve anything in this country, includes, including positions in the highest court in the land, a very esteemed position that's highly competitive. And there is only one of them that is willing to be honest about the reality of that. And in part, uh, Clarence, Thomas, I, I, Clarence Thomas, Justice Clarence Thomas, I read his memoir a couple years ago. Um, I believe it's My Grandfather's Son is the name of it. But he talks about how damaging going to school when he 
would have achieved uh, the, the the law school and the education that he would have without affirmative action, but under the air of affirmative action, it created this riff among him and his colleagues, and he was seen as just the check the box guy or it cultivates some version of tokenism, which is a problem, whether you're in the workplace, which is starting to happen under the auspices of CRT, or whether you're in a law school or you're in, in any form of higher education or any form of education. Look, this country hasn't been perfect. The pursuit of the American dream has been so wonderful because it has been based on merit, not some indelible character characteristic that you're born with or born without it is whether you are willing to work hard to achieve a dream um and and to persist regardless of sex race or national origin and this affirmative action uh policy that has persisted for far too long really undercut and was an overreaction to actual racism that did exist We've talked about it a lot on this show. We're not denying that it did not exist. It did exist. It was um, horribly, and, horribly. And it was horrible. But the response to racism isn't some new form of racism, just exactly. under a different color. Exactly, exactly right. And that's exactly what Clarence Thomas said today. Exactly. This exactly. Is, affirmative action is a new form of racism. And I, if I may respectfully tell you this, I have been a teacher in law school. I have been a teacher, um, and I can assure you, the situation for African-American law students is pathetic. I mean, they are given preferential treatment on a scale that is just horrifying. And it doesn't do them any good. They they get out of school because no no teacher wants to, to flunk them. And then, they, then they're, they're lost. And, and I don't know what they do after that. But uh, the idea that uh, these affirmative action programs do not stigmatize and belittle and show contempt for black people is just amazing. I it, listen. I I agree. I think you both said amazing things. I think you you're both talking about uh, issues that 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 I'm glad Clarence Thomas was there today to uh, to 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 get into this. And I think it's also very important to uh, once again bring up the fact that Trump appointed these judges that have uh, two landmark cases. Well, obviously, being one being Roe v. Wade, and then and then reversing affirmative action. So it's uh, Mandy. I think it's a very big prop on, the, uh, even though Kavanaugh sometimes is a little iffy, as Peter Roth pointed out the other night, on two big decisions, they did the right thing. Yeah, and these were two big decisions that did away with policies that have done more to divide this country than to solve any actual problem. And what I love about the three justices, conservative justices that President Trump delivered on, the promise is what he delivered on, um, they, have, they have been willing to take on uh, what have seemingly been third rail legal issues because they are so committed uh, to the traditional approach and the true small C conservative approach to interpreting the Constitution. And it's been it's 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 proven um, it's proven very beneficial, especially in terms of addressing these longstanding issues, be it abortion that was taken out of the states. Um, because of activist judicial approach, um, or whether it was affirmative action, trying to fix a wrong with a different type of wrong that hasn't really that 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 hasn't done anything but further divide. Very beautifully put, poetically, poetically put, uh, and thank God for those justices 
who had the courage to speak out and to speak out in favor of the Constitution and to speak up for the Constitution. And uh, it's just a wonderful thing. Now, as I'm uh, as I'm uh, watching you two lovely people, I'm seeing that some uh, uh, African-American uh, state senator in Wisconsin uh, is, has noted that the uh, suburbs of uh, Milwaukee are unhappy about the crime in Milwaukee and how it's spreading out to the suburbs, to which she says, fuck the suburbs. We don't care about them. They don't understand about life in the city. Well, you know what? Crime is a big, big issue in this country. It's a big issue everywhere. And for her to say that is just a sign of idiocy. And the idea that she is a member of a legislative body of a great state is terrifying. No, you're 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 completely you're you're completely right. And he he's referring to Wisconsin State Senator Latanya Johnson from Wisconsin, and uh, that's who Ben is referring to. It just uh, uh, to and Mandy, this this what we have an issue in our country that nobody's willing to discuss. We do, and Ben talks about all it all the time, and that being a race. Uh, we 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 have we have, as Ben calls it a racialized nation. And, and, and it's, 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 it's becoming exceedingly and even exceedingly very dangerous. And nobody wants to really uh, delve into it and nobody wants to talk about it. But when you look at the, the statistics of murder, as Ben's brought up, the, fe- the felony and murder convictions of people in prison, when you look at the school systems, when you judge it by, by all the things we would judge. It's, it, it's funny, Mindy. We judge everything on merit for everybody else but when it comes to the black community we don't that's where we stop and it's a it's such well a racist Judah. sorry well put and it's it, I, and as ben said before mandy it's so racist to do that it's the most racist thing to basically say to a, to another to another person you you just can't hack it so we're going to change the rules for you. You're lowering your, your the worst thing you could ever do to a person form of abuse is lower expectations. We should raise everybody's expectations, Mandy. That's the American dream. That's what makes America exceptional, Mandy. That's exactly right. Lowering expectations and telling children that regardless of how hard they may try, the institutions are so set against them that they don't have a real American future. There's nothing more disgusting than that approach. And unfortunately, that approach and that that perspective on life is actually being taught to young, impressionable children. So I hope that this this case reverberates in terms of not only changing access to higher education, um, but also has an effect across education writ large and does away with adults telling children, um, black children, that they they do not have the same bright future that any other American citizen has because that simply isn't true. If you're born in this country, uh, you have access to that dream. You just have to be willing to work hard. And like I said, we haven't always been perfect in um, implementing, implementing that, but we have constantly worked to improve it. And I think like Ben said at the start, um, we we have gotten we've gone very, very far and brought a lot of people up with it. One thing I will say, it was interesting, I was reading pieces. I haven't read the whole the I haven't had time to sit down and read the entire opinion. But one of one of the criticisms of it was that students were essentially put into a white, Asian or black category and that 
the, the, the white category, for example, could cover everyone from a Ukrainian refugee to a member of the British royal family, but you all fall into this category of white and there's, there's no um, consideration for the fact that there's just completely different experiences from one to the other. And so even in terms of trying to, if, if you're taking, if you're, if you're buying into the intention to try to boost access to those who may have not had as many opportunities early in life, it also failed on that front as well. Um, and so anyway, I, it, it's a wonderful day with regards to what the Supreme Court did and the country will be better for it. And to, to further, thank you, but wonderfully put, and if I may say so, to further your extremely good points, uh, it so happens that many of the most successful people in this country had extremely disabling backgrounds and overcame them. Very few that you can find had extremely disabling backgrounds and overcame them with the help of affirmative action. You don't see too many of them People who, want, who really want to succeed will succeed. No education system has ever been designed so bad, so uh, without merit or decency that a hardworking student cannot learn. That's the question. Do we believe that black children can learn? Uh, obviously, uh, three members of the Supreme Court don't. Uh, six do. So that's... Uh, that's that's a big big issue, and I also think it's 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 extremely important because what you just raised, you raised something uh, extremely uh, minus uh, Trump coming from a, a, a fairly a very privileged background. You had Nixon, you had Clinton, you had uh, two, two people didn't that, even know who Clinton didn't even know who his father Clinton was. Did, right, Clinton didn't even know who his father was, and Nixon came from extremely extremely extremely. Humble beginnings. I believe Ronald Reagan did too. Uh, so some of the great presidents. Uh, that that's the American dream. What do you think? What is Abraham Lincoln's background right, was? Right, that's right. And the reason I didn't bring up Obama is because there's varying degrees of uh, of uh, of his early childhood. I'm not saying he wasn't born here. I'm simply saying of the uh, uh, the the de desperation that he actually had, and he went to the best schools this country. Uh, well, we, we, he went to the best schools, and when he was in law school, he was assigned to write a, a paper about law. And uh, Mandy and I, both lawyers, right? You're a lawyer, are you not? Yes, she is. We write papers about law. He wrote his his thoughts and abstractions about his father, and he got a, a, the highest grade in the class. And, and, and Mandy, it's it, it, it's something I really wish I would have listened to Ben quite a long time ago about is rejection is a big part of life. Oh. It is a huge part of life, Mandy, getting rejected and getting rejected and getting rejected. Mm -hmm. And I got sick and tired of being rejected. But at this point, I don't I'm using it. So I keep on going. But everybody gets rejected. Have you, have you shaved? It would help. Eh, sorry? Have you shaved? It would help. I can't because of the doctor. But thank oh, you yeah, for right. My medical condition. <laughs> Judah, look, <laughs> Judah, we know what people that hard work can accomplish in this country. It's unbelievable. No, I'm look, not sure we do sometimes, Ben, because we've lowered expectations. No, you and I do. You yes, and I but I'm do. saying. Mandy but, does. 
but the, the people in, on the left don't. I mean, and they're not. And, and by the way, they have no fucking sense of moral decency. They're doing it for the votes. I mean, Katani Brown or whatever the hell her name is, might as well said, as a spokesman of the Democrat Party, I'd like to say, now take this stand in order to get black votes. It was not. It was nothing more complicated than that. And Biden uh, came out with a criticism of the court, saying this is not a normal court. What the hell does he know about normal? Normal man. Did you? He did an interview after with the former Republican. Of course, she had, not Republican. My ass, uh, Nicole Wallace, and uh, <laughs> it was the, the, obviously the most softball interview. But mid-interview, he walked away. <laughs> he just started walking. I'm not kidding around either. He just started roaming around and he didn't come back. And, and he was looking he for the like, queen. He was looking he, for the queen. Sorry? He was looking for the queen. Gotcha. <laughs> that's, 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 right, right. Or he was looking for, for Iraq where Putin has been fighting. Right. And, uh, and but, but Mandy, I mean, she softballed him as much as humanly softballed. And I, I don't think, Mandy, this, I there's something happened there had to be a pushing point, a, a, a point in our country. And I, the, tr the trans stuff, and I don't want to get into the trans stuff, that really pushed it over the top. It really mm -hmm. brought to light all that the left has been pushing upon us for so long. This, and, and I, it, 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 this, they took this, they couldn't stop. They couldn't control what it was, how much they wanted to push their knees on the throats of American citizens and American citizens good. and America and American citizens, Mandy are finally saying we have enough, we've had enough of it. And I'm telling you, I, it's, this isn't about Trump or anybody. They're going to, there is a shift, a power, there's a shift happening in our country right now. The left doesn't want to see it. The, the old GOPers don't want to see it. But most of us are seeing it. You're seeing it, I know, in Mississippi, Mandy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of this comes back, back to your point on work. Um, and we know what it means to work. But there is this whole movement that is fashionable within the extreme left to not have to work, but still expect the same type of outcome as those who do work. Um, it's this whole false uh, this false premise of equity that everyone gets the same amount, which is again, it's akin to socialism and communism, which at, at the end of the day, that is what the woke left is trying to push the American, um, push this country towards and the American experience towards. And so we understand how to work hard, but it, it, there is this theme among the left where they view work and work ethic as indicative of whiteness and white privilege. Do you remember this was like, was it last year? Maybe it was longer than that, but it was the Smithsonian Institute put out basically a checklist where one side was whiteness and one side was non-whiteness. And literally in the whiteness category was being on time, work ethic, things prioritizing individual responsibility. And then it was the complete opposite uh, that was on the other side. And this was put out by, I believe it was the Smithsonian Institute and the uh, African-American Museum in the response Smithsonian to- institution. It's called the Smithsonian yeah, institution. institution. Yes, yes, um, that's correct. Well, um, yeah, I, I, God, I'd love to see that. I, I have a vague recollection of it now, reading about it, I think, in the American Spectator. 
But wow, what a scary situation. What an incredibly scary situation. And I would like to keep going back to something I brought up here many, many times. If it's so horrible here for blacks, why don't they go somewhere else? For anybody. If it's so horrible for anybody, you're the one that after Alec Baldwin threatened to leave, uh, threatened to leave America after promised to leave America after Bush won in 2004 and he didn't leave and you saw him at a party or somewhere and you said, Alec, what are you still doing here? If you can't afford the U-Haul, it's on me. And mm -hmm. uh, and there, there are a lot of these people that have constantly th threatened to leave, leave, leave. Go for it. Go somewhere. Go to Canada. Yeah, where do they, where do they where do they think they're going to be treated better than they're treated in the United States? And where, where on earth are people of color, anyone treated better than in the United States? But Judah, Judah, to your point, I, I I think I think it's not necessarily black people or brown people or minority people that are saying this. It is woke white people pretending to represent the majority of black people and brown people and minorities in this country saying these things. Yeah, and I do think yeah. Judah, you're, you're they, right they, that they there's this play. shift. They, they've been exposed and people, <laughs> people are catching on to this. And there was over, I believe it was over the weekend. You, you may have seen this too. Um, this involves parental rights in one of the Virginia High, or Virginia school systems, but this was the trans people. Um, and you had a community of, I would say over 90% immigrants, immigrants, Ethiopians, um, Middle Eastern, yeah, that actually showed up. Vietnamese, a lot of Vietnamese. In Virginia that. that showed that, up to push back. And it was, it was really interesting because there was one reporter going around basically saying like, here's the trans activists talking about how they need diversity and tolerance um, trying to take away the parental rights of this all this this all colored, all colored. Yeah. black and brown and immigrant community pushing back. And so I think people are seeing that and, and they realize that the woke left is fundamentally un-American. And even immigrants who recently came over to this country, they see it plain as day. Not just un-American. And I thank you. Thank you, Judy. You're not you're being too generous to the woke left. They're not after equality. They're after a dictatorship of which they'll be the bosses. This is the end goal of communism is not anything like fairness to the ordinary citizen. The end goal is a dictatorship and violent cruelty to maintain that dictatorship. And can I say something I've learned from you, and especially from the capitalist code, is that capitalism is the savior of all of those things. And I just want to, uh, Warner Brothers this weekend lost $288 million on a movie because wow, they decided... Movie. They decided that they were going to keep a trans person as the star of the movie oh who's been arrested at least five or six times. And I'm not talking for about small things. I'm talking about for grooming young people, for drugging people, for uh, armed, armed uh, I want to say burglary, and for a few other crimes. Now, I could tell you if that person was black, even they would have been fired from their job like that guy Majors was from the MC universe. But trans is a whole other level. I mean, he even said it to the police officer when the police officer arrested him and said, excuse me, sir. And he said, basically, Ben, he said, I'm not kidding. He said to him, you're breaking the law by calling me, sir, against the, the discrimination mm -hmm. act. Oh, my God. I'm not kidding. And this was the this was a guy that Warner Brothers could have said, you're out of the franchise. 
or essentially just cut it off as a loss, $288 million they lost. What movie? Sorry? What movie? Ezra Miller from The Flash. And like I said, and I I, I know these are tiny numbers, but it's capitalism, Ben, because when you bring up communism, and the, the the fight against communism is capitalism. It's right. God. Capitalism. People don't get killed under capitalism for trying to do their best. People don't get killed under capitalism for trying to start something new. Communism is about blood. Extremely well said. And everything both of you have said tonight has been extremely well said. Well, and I just want to... I just want to add something on the uh, before I get to that last topic of yours. I just want to before I, I I have to bring this up because whoever Hunter Biden's stripper, baby mama stripper, whoever her lawyer is. And I, 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 it, shot. It, 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 it's like she hired Michael Avenatti's brother. OK, yeah. Do you, do you know what what the child or Ben? I'm not kidding. This isn't a fake story. What was part of the child's future settlement? What he get? What she gets? The baby? What? Paintings from Hunter. Oh my gosh! I, <laughs> I'm not kidding around either. That was part of what because it could be sold for a lot of money. They won't let her take the Biden name, but she could have art from Hunter Ben. And I'm thinking to myself, man, this stripper got some. Ba- I mean, this stripper and st- I mean, they got some bad lawyers. You're not kidding. Wow, you're not kidding. Wow, wow, wow. I, I just had to bring that up, Mandy. Uh, I'm glad you. That's did. so disrespectful. I I feel so. I mean, it, the whole situation is bad, but the 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 little child, the young the young girl, that's just that's horrible for her to have to grow up. She's not going to know her dad, but she's going to know his name on a picture that he sent as his replacement. And and his art, his brilliant art. But I wanted to get to Ben's point because I think it's, there's 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 a big there's a big big great lie in our country when it comes to drugs and the and the death toll. And if you were to can either of you guess what percentage of and I'm asking you this honestly worldwide from alcohol what the death rate is from alcohol-related uh, disease. And incalculably later, greater than from drugs, and especially incalculably greater than prescribed drugs. But it's 5%. But I, it's 5% of the world's... It, it, that's a, a really big percentage. Ben, very, I, I did this very, study very, simply... Very, very, I, very, very. I, I, this I did before the show to so I could prove and show your point. And there's about Thank 100... You. There's about 107,000 deaths, or a little, maybe 100, 100 mid hundred thousands uh, of Ben of uh, opioid, of, of opioid, 107 some thousand deaths a year. The number has increased quite a bit, and a lot of it, I, I can't do the full data check. I think has to do with the opioid death of when they went after all the uh, all the doctors and everything, because that's when fentanyl and the, the synthetic fentanyl raised the death rate to 70%. They raised it like to 70,000 a year. Right, because, it, right. And doctors are afraid to prescribe halfway decent painkillers like codeine or Percodan. Instead, they make people go get fentanyl. I have a very close illegally. friend. Illegally. I, I used to be a very close friend. Now she's become way out in outer space being a drug addict, going to bars to pick, to, to buy illegal drugs. 
because she can't get legal drugs from her doctor because he's scared of the medical board looking down his throat. And and Mandy, when, and if you were to have turned on the TV, and, and I, it's you have to criticize Tucker about this because he was monstrous in this discussion about the opioid crisis. Remember when this was going on? And we never really, and when you really put it in perspective, and everybody knows that Ben and I are sober, so this isn't a knock on things. But uh, but Mandy, the one hundred seven thousand, one hundred ten thousand, it's 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 too many, obviously. But when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, it's it's not as Ben would. It's not like what you would call a pandemic as they're portraying it to be compared to many other things, Mandy. And the overreach that they have is uh, is is really is, is very frightening. Is, try, is, try and, and, and I'll share my own story, Mandy. When I was at the hospital, so Ben doesn't have to share his story. I was at the hospital and uh my, I met, was meeting a new doctor and he, and he was like, well, what prescriptions are you on? And I, I said, well, you know, I don't, I don't. And he's like, come on, just this. And I told him I was on, and Ben knows I rarely take anything unless I am in the worst pain in the world. And I was like, oh, I have to, he's like, that's it. That's what you're, you're scared. That's what you're scared to. But the, the, when you're at the pharmacy, Mandy, they make you scared. They make you, they, yeah. they, they, they frighten you into thinking that you have some sort of the, the pharmacists have become worse sometimes than the doctors. And that's a very, no, no patient in America should be scared if they're in pain or if they're in need. The odds are most people aren't going to become addicts from it. You either are an addict or you're not. That's my whole yeah. thing, Mandy. Uh, totally right. The idea, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead, Mandy. I've been cutting you off too much. I'm sorry, sorry. No, that's okay. I, I was just going to make the point. It's unfortunate that medical doctors can't make decisions based on addressing the immediate needs of their patients. There's right. too many influences and institutions and legal vulnerabilities that have um, that have crept into that decision making process. And so the medical doctors are making decisions based off of just avoiding um avoiding liabilities, which, and the pharmacist is doing the same thing. And it leaves you the patient. If you are actually in a significant amount of pain, just having to deal with it with uh, ineffective medication, despite the fact that we have the medication that could actually solve the entire problem. So there's just too many people involved in that decision-making process. And I have this a is PPO. actually giving me a pain. I have a PPO, <laughs> not an HMO. And I just want to read something, uh, uh, Jay Wink just said, because this is crazy. He wrote, I had three broken ribs, a broken collarbone and a broken finger. And the doctor gave me three days worth of meds to go home. That is wow. absolutely, that is absolutely criminal. I am really, I'm really uh, sorry about that, but that's the world that, that, that Ben, that's the, 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 the road we're, we're on is, is you're going to with a dictatorship and, and Bolshevism. And if people are in pain, give them the medicines. The majority of people, the ultra, ultra, ultra majority of people are not going to get addicted to it. And again, I'd rather have a mother have in her closet the prescription that the doctor overprescribed and the kids taking the oxy that, that we know at least was made at a normal facility as opposed right. to getting drugs on Craigslist that the, that's been laced from from China with fentanyl or from Mexico with fentanyl. I'd rather have them be kids 
and experiment in a stupid, stupid, stupid way, but at least it was doctor prescribed then. I know that may sound crazy. Yeah, no, no, no. Pressing is a big, big thing in the pill world. And it's a, a frightening thing. As I say, it's just uh, the idea that doctors can't be trusted. Ooh, it's very scary that patients can't be trusted. Nobody can be trusted but the Bolsheviks in the federal government. Yeah, but it's and, great. And, oh, sorry, go ahead. I, my cousin is a pharmacist. My Part of my family has had an independent pharmacy for a very long time. And they know who the regular ones are coming around just to get their pain medication because they're addicted to it. They know because they pay attention. Um, and, and there needs to be some sort of leeway for, again, pharmacists to make decisions based on what's going on right in front of them versus then, as you rightfully say, the Bolsheviks at the top that aren't really involved in the day-to-day, -day, but making these massively consequential decisions that keep much-needed pain medication out of those that are actually in pain. Very well put. Massively, massively, that's the word. No, it, it, it's, 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 listen, and as somebody, you're, you're right. And this, like I explained, it happened when I got into the ambulance and they didn't give me any medicine, Right. Uh, uh, anybody could have seen I was not uh, a, a drug addict laying on the street uh, in need of I was in front of my apartment <laughs> in a massive amount of pain. And L.A. doesn't. L.A. L.A. allows uh, uh, for homeless people to be shooting up on the street. But honest citizens can't get uh, the help they need to, to survive their way to the hospital. And Ben, I just as we're running out of time, uh, uh, we discuss this quite often. And sometimes I think uh even though we see the reality, we're taught that it's, uh, as always with the media, it's not the reality. Uh, and we've seen a surge. Well, we appear to be a surge in the homeless. And and sometimes you think to yourself, well, maybe they're moving from neighborhood to neighborhood or they're moving from here to there. No, it's been 10% increase since last year, Ben. And, uh, Jane, I told you not to come till five after eight. It's not that time. Jesus Christ. And uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, he kids and kidding, uh, Jesus Christ. And anyway, I for, totally forgot. Uh, but Ben, yes. So we're at seventy five thousand <laughs> homeless people in LA I know. County. And I know, uh, I know, I know, I know. It's incredible! It's incredible! It's, yeah. incre it's incredible! It's incredible! What's going on in this world? Yeah. And I, I feel very sad for these homeless people, but I feel very sad. We're ordinary, decent citizens who are in pain from disease or injury who can't get drugs because the Bolsheviks and the federal government won't let them. Yeah, that's why my favorite thing, Mandy, that Trump signed was the right to die. And also uh, was uh, that he it was the right to try, not the right to die. It was the right to try. Yeah. I wish it was the right to die. I was like, wait, I missed that. And I, I yeah. wouldn't mind yeah. the right to die. I don't have an issue with that. But it was when with experimental medication when he signed that bill and he said it was a big it, bill. It, it, it's a big bill to say to people, why do you have to wait? And thank God Ben and I have doctors because I could tell you when I was seeing the same doctor as Ben, when I got COVID in the beginning and I was really sick, he didn't, he didn't take coke Fauci's or he put me on a strict regimen of inhalers, antibiotics. He put me on what he, what he knew how you treat respiratory illnesses, not how the government puts you on respiratory, how the government. And I, I'm very grateful that sometimes there are doctors like that. There, and 
Uh, this doctor is a great doctor. I'm they should never anything. be scared. Right. And we have run out of time. I want to thank the Rumblers, the Ranthers, the Truthers. I want to thank everybody from the bottom of our hearts. And of course, let's thank Mandy Gunasegra and uh, at Mandy Gunasegra. And of course, you could find her. Just go check her out, Mandy from Mississippi. And uh, of course, you can find Ben at Newsmax, Spectator.org, and on True Social. Ben Stein, we'll see everybody on Saturday night. Safe travels. Tomorrow. I'm not sure we will. It depends on how the airlines are behaving. That's right. Good point. Mm -hmm. And uh, take us out however you'd like. If you I want. was trying to say, wow, this country has gone downhill since Mr. Biden took over. I'm sad. Okay. God bless you all. God bless you all. Okay.